Alright, well welcome to uh, tonight's session. Tonight I'm going to be dealing with um, the next, I think it's session number four, um, with regards to ambassadors. And the fact that we are ambassadors in Christ and what that means, and that we are Christ's ambassadors on this earth. And tonight I want to deal with something, and I'm probably going to have a few sessions in this vein, because I'm not going to be able to fit it all in, but the idea or the concept that ambassadors change culture and not vice versa. In other words, ambassadors are meant to be there to change the culture that they are in and not allowing the culture of the place that they are representing uh, or that they are living in to change them and their ways. So in other words, if I come from another nation and I come into this nation, I must not let this nation dictate to me as an ambassador what should happen. You know, I don't want to go and send somebody from our nation to another nation and you expect them to uphold the standards of your nation to find out that they've gone and compromised and they've gone and messed up everything. You guys understand that? So, if you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're an ambassador of heaven and you are on this earth, you should be changing the culture of the earth and not allowing the culture of the earth to change you. You are representing God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on this earth. And you are supposed to be a representation of what heaven is like. And you are not yet to compromise. So whenever they used to compromise, they would be removed. Because I say, you are not representing us properly anymore. So the Bible is very clear on these things. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that is a very radical statement because if I ask a lot of Christians today, Do you love the things of the world? I promise you right now, 90% of them will say yes. A lot of people love the way that the world is going. They love the the idea of that people are not important anymore. You know, almighty TV is great. We'll get our big screen TV, nice around sound system, and we don't care about anybody else anymore. We don't worry if somebody is going through a rough time. We don't worry if there's a need down the road. We don't have time for that because we have worked hard to go and buy my flat screen TV. And so I'm too tired to go and represent God anyway. Because I am looking after me, myself and my family. And that is very much what is starting to happen. Especially since I've come back to Port Elizabeth. I find a huge change in the culture of PE alone. You know, it used to be this issue... And I was first totally flabbergasted and shocked when this first happened to me. I'd sit down and phone somebody in Pretoria when I was staying there. And I'd say, listen, I'm around the corner, put the kettle on, I'm coming for coffee. And the guy would go, sorry, it's inconvenient, come back another time. You know, you've got to like make an appointment for a cup of coffee. And I always said that was ridiculous because in Port Elizabeth it was like anybody just pulled in any time, you know. You didn't even know. Sometimes I would get home and the guys would be in our pool even before we opened the front door. They'd say, please open the front door, we need the toilet. You know what I mean? They'd be hanging out in my house and I wasn't even there. And so that is the type of culture that I was used to. Now I come back to Port Elizabeth and all of a sudden I'm not seeing that culture anymore. People don't go visit anymore. 
Why? Because now they've all got their big flat screen TVs. And they're too busy in their own little lives heading the same way than what I experienced in Pretoria. Now what am I saying by that? The things of the world are starting to consume us. The things of the world is starting to draw us in so that we are starting to miss people. We are not in the place anymore where we consider people, go out of our way for people, care for people, and people is the focus anymore. Because now, it is now becoming an inconvenience. And so I want to tell you this, because it's important, it says, don't love the things of this world. Don't get caught up by it. Use it as a tool to get you somewhere. In other words, you still need a motor vehicle to get across town to go and see somebody. So use whatever you have as a tool. And allow God to keep that passion in your life to help people and be there for people. And just be friends. You know, if I sit down and ask a lot of people nowadays, yes, how many friends have you got? Most people are going down to one or two. I have one or two good friends. You know, we don't have this big mass of friendship circles anymore. That is so sad to see, because the body of Christ is meant to be a body operating properly. We are meant to be there to help each other, to help others, to help the community. You know, we sit down and we say we've got the community thing on. Most people don't have time, because they're just too busy. If you actually go find out what they're really busy with, is they're watching their big screen TV, or prying in the backyard. See, so I want you to understand, God is saying, don't let this impact you. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't perform exactly the way that the world is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay? They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. In John chapter 17 verse 16. And this is Jesus praying about his disciples. And he says, listen, my disciples are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Now what does he mean by that? It means that they don't think the same way that the world thinks. Now if you are finding yourself thinking the exact same way as the world, there is a problem. I want to tell you right now, it's time that we do a check on ourselves. That we sit down and make sure that we think differently. Now let me give you some examples. Okay? The world goes, okay, there's an interest rate hike. Oh, it's going to be tough. The church shouldn't be going like that. They go, we are not dependent on this economy. We trust God. Petrol goes up, everybody has a cadenza. You should not be in that place. You should be sitting down and saying, God, you will provide for me. And then things happen. Somebody gets sick in the family. The world goes, oh, this person's half dying. Let's get them to the doctor. Instead of going, let's get onto our knees and start praying in Jesus' name. Our first recall is going to show you what's in your heart. What is the very first thing that happens, or first response, when something goes on in your family? If your first response is God, then you are different from the world. If your first response is, let's fix this, then you are doing exactly what the world does. So I want to challenge us, so often I have to catch myself, because my first response will be something that the world would do. And I'll go, God, I'm sorry, I've just missed this. I should be asking you what to do in this situation, or helping me in this situation. Because you are my God, and I'm your representative, I'm your ambassador. I need to get instruction from head office. 
I cannot operate like the world. Why? Because if I operate like the world, I'm going to get the worldly results. I need to come with a different spirit, with a different thing, so that I am not impacted by the world, I change the world. How many of you would like to be in a situation where you come into a place and you physically change the entire environment just because you rocked up? Come on. That's where we should be. If there's sickness, you drive it out. If there's poverty, you drive it out. If there's concern and fear, you drive it out. You must rock up and change anything that is around you. That is what a good ambassador is meant to do. Unfortunately, the body of Christ is compromised so much that we act just like the world. In fact, we have got so bad that a lot of unsaved guys go, I don't need your God, I've got enough trouble on my own. Why? Because you look at the Christians, all they're doing is depressed, sad, they don't even know what the word fun is anymore. You know, you've got to be all serious and deadly. I mean, why can't you just have some fun? And just go and do something dumb. For no reason. And just go and have some fun and enjoy yourself. And then you can see, God is not against that. The world will look at that and go, look at that, that guy's a normal guy, having fun, you know, still shouting at the rugby match and whatever, but yet he serves God and when he comes, there's something around him that's different. And he could sit at the rugby match and lay hands on somebody and think and change. You see, we need to carry something. We need to be a light in the darkness. Unfortunately, many of us have allowed our light to dim and allowed the darkness into our situation. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. For this is the victory that we overcome the world, even our faith. I want you to know what is born of God is overcoming the world, not what is born of the world. If you are going to do it in the natural, you are never going to overcome any worldly situation that comes your way. I want to challenge us tonight. Make sure that you are a true ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, carrying the word of God, representing God's kingdom, speaking the word, doing what the word says. Now I'm going to throw this in here and I'm going to deal with this properly in in another session. But I just want to throw this thing in here. A lot of people have asked me, what does it mean to be religious? I'm actually going to do a whole session on this. I'm going to just give you a quick definition tonight. What does it mean to be religious? Now listen to me very carefully. I'm going to make it so simple. Religious means I know the Bible and I don't do what the Bible says. Let me make it as an illustration. Okay? How many of us know that the Bible says... Excuse me, that if somebody's sick, the first thing we must do is lay hands on them. Right? How many Christians do you know that actually pray for sick people? Not many. Okay, when they go sick, you must go to the medicine case or you must go to the doctor. Come on, these are Christians now. And then the prayer is, oh God, we pray that the doctor will be a good doctor and you'll have wisdom to give you the right stuff. Come on. Okay. Now, what does that mean? That means that that Christian has just become religious. They know the word and they're not doing what the word says. Remember, Jesus attacked the religious folk. Now you can sit down and go, but they were praying, they were doing the actions, they were doing everything else. No, they were doing actions, but not what the word said. What does the word say? When you pray, pray with your heart. (coughs) Excuse me. 
pray doing it with the right motive. When you do some good deed, do it with the right motive. Not that people can see you, because what does God say? Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. You know, all these scriptures. You see, religious folks know the word, but they don't do it properly. And that is what you have got to determine in your heart. Because the minute you are doing it in a religious manner, you are directly allowing the world to taint your Christian walk. And that's why God hates religion. It's very simple. Religion does not obey the word. Religious folks do not obey the word. How many times have you seen religious folks coming and they'll have a church service, a form of godliness, walk out and act even worse than the world? The world. You know, they're literally out in the parking lot and they're busy smoking and swearing and carrying on, okay? And they're acting just like the world. So I need you to understand, when we speak about the world influencing you as an ambassador, we are talking about reversing the pressure that you're under. What does that mean? It means there's very often more people in the world that's going to exert pressure on you than you're exerting on them. But when you walk in there, you have got to turn that atmosphere to such a degree that you change the entire environment. You see, what is exciting about Jesus, for instance, if you take Jesus' life, you know that Jesus actually had to allow them to put him on the cross. Because wherever he went, he changed everything. Remember when they came to arrest him? They go, are you the guy? He goes, yes, it's me. And then everybody fell under the power. I mean, this is quite funny. I have to allow my guys to arrest me. I'll wait for them. Let them get under the anointing and come and arrest me. See, Jesus Christ changed the atmosphere wherever he went. Whether it was one person or 5,000 people. So I want you to understand that you have the power to change any pressure that's coming against you. And God will honor you because of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Philippians chapter 2 verse 15. It says, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in this world. In other words, that you stand solid and firm, and you are not compromised no matter what is going on around you. Now we're not sitting down and saying, judge them. What I'm saying is, be the light so that when they come around and they go, I need help, they come to you. They go, I know that you can help me. Why? Because you have stood your ground. Now let me give you a practical example of this. When I was at school, I was known as Padre. They called me Padre at school. They didn't know me as Arthur. And wherever I went, I used to sit down and reverse the pressure of whatever was coming of the peer group. And you know teenagers can have severe peer pressure on them. And they would try challenging me all the time. They would try doing all sorts of stuff to try and challenge me and put this peer pressure on. And I would refuse to take that peer pressure. I would stand up and stand for the Word of God and stand for what I believed as a Christian without condemning them. Do you know what the result was? A whole stack of my class, my exact class, not only got born again, but ended up in the ministry. Why? Because they looked at me and said, listen, if you can take this pressure, you've got something that's real. 
And now I bump into them, and now they're suddenly serving God, when they weren't really serving God at all. Okay, they are serving God, not only are they serving God, but they're actually ministers. And carrying an anointing and making a difference. You see, when you sit down and stand up for what's right, even the guys who mock you the most, when trouble hits, you're the first one they're going to come to. Why? Because they know that you're a pillar and you're consistent. The minute you compromise with the world, that's why the Bible says, be blameless and harmless. Why do I need to be blameless and harmless? Because you need to be there when trouble eats. The world is looking for the answers, they are looking for the light. But too many Christians are so compromised today, that the world cannot turn to them because they cannot trust them. The world cannot say, I, can, I need you to help me, because they go, well you are doing exactly what I'm doing. Your actions are no different, your level of authority is no different, your speech is the same, your, your lifestyle is the same, so how can I listen to you? I want to challenge us today. We need to be the true ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, carrying the power of God. Now the Bible speaks very clearly and warns us about the world. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 19, it says this, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He who catches the wise in their own craftiness. Now listen to that very carefully. It says this. It says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. In other words, the most clever guy, still, God looks at it as foolishness. In his own strength. Why? Because they don't know the future. They don't know what's going to happen. The guy can make the best investment, the wisest choice of stuff, and God goes, listen, tomorrow it all crashes. And God could say to you, listen, don't do that, go against the flow. Take Noah as an example. The entire world was going one direction. Here's Noah building an ark. Listen, that is dumb. Read your Bible, up until the day of Noah, it never rained on the earth. The Bible says that the, the earth was watered by a mist. It had never rained on the earth. Can you imagine some guy building an ark and it had never rained in the entire world, and he says, why are you building this thing? No, because God said so. If ever you looked at a fruitcake, that would be it. Can you imagine a guy today building a big ship in the middle of a desert? What are you doing? I'm building a ship. Where is this going? No, it's going to rain here in the desert. Don't worry, it's going to flood. Come on. And yet, he trusted God, he reversed the pressure, he did exactly what he wanted, what God told him to do, he did exactly what God expected him to do. Okay, he was not very successful as an evangelist, but what he did do was this, was he believed the word of the Lord and rain came. Talk about pressure, the only person right on the entire planet. That's some pressure. But yet, he stuck to what God had said. Now I want you to know something. That when we sit down and make decisions, no matter what it is, we must understand God's word is higher than anything in this world.
at any given time, no matter what the situation. And we have got to start using the Word of God in that situation. Because not only will it change the situation, but it's also going to give us credibility in the long run. And we are going to be known as men and women that can change something when something goes wrong. I do not need more phone calls. I sat in a situation the other day. It was a, um, a while back. I was asked to come to Cape Town to come and deliver a, a young lady because they had taken her to so many churches and not a single person could deliver her. I physically had to ride to Cape Town for literally 24 hours, deliver her and come home. Listen, there is something seriously wrong in the state of the church if pastors can't even chuck out a devil. Okay? I want you to know, we have got to start getting this thing right in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Now listen, I want you to get the scripture very clearly and carefully. The Bible says that the Christians are going to judge the world. So why on earth are we allowing the world to influence us? We do not understand our authority. We do not understand our position. We are not on the same level as the world. And God is saying, please guys, don't drop your standards to mix with this because you're actually going to have to judge this. You are going to sit down and give the world the rewards or non-rewards and you are going to be judging the world. I need you to understand that we have got a responsibility. We have got a mandate given to us as ambassadors in the Lord Jesus Christ to go and make a difference. Now, I want to close with the following three scriptures. And I want you to listen to this. Don't get caught by the world. See, the first thing that you need to know is I need to be the light. Do not allow this world to influence me. Number two, don't get compromised. The first level is I'm standing high. I'm on higher ground. And I'm not talking about proud and arrogant. I'm talking about in your stand, in your response. Everything is the Word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Not your mind and not what the world says or dictates. Number two is don't get into a place of being on the same level and compromising. And then number three, don't get under the world. Don't let the world get hold of you. You see, the three levels. I'm on top, we mix, or I'm underneath. And there's a lot of Christians who are actually being held captive by the world and the things of the world, and they don't even know that they are in bondage. Now that even scares me even more than somebody who's compromising. There's some Christians who sit down and go, well, I'm one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they play this. There's some Christians who are solidly in the world and they go, I'm a Christian. And there's absolutely no life, no sound. And all you've got is they're all full up in bondage, in chains, and they think that they're serving God. Surprise is coming their way. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting, that he may give to him who is good before God. What does that mean? It means that the sinner is meant to be working his butt off to go and make money. 
If a Christian's doing that, there's something wrong. If a Christian is striving and working his life all hours of the day just to make some money, he's not doing the biblical thing. Because you can supernaturally call in contracts. You can supernaturally call in deals. You can supernaturally get your workmen to produce a lot further than what they would in a natural. All sorts of things can be done by a supernatural divine intervention in your life. But if you are slogging and you are toiling, it is part of the curse. The curse that Adam got is it says, you will toil this land, and by the sweat of the brow, just to get food. That's part of the curse. Jesus Christ died for that curse. There's a lot of Christians under that curse still. There's a lot of Christians just working and sweating and carrying on, just to get a bit of food. I want to tell you, that's not God at all. That's the world gripping you. This whole survival thing is the world gripping it. We need to break free of that thing and start calling in the Spirit of God for supernatural means. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not a problem. It's when you have this love of money. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How's this? You see, the Bible says that God makes rich and he adds no sorrow. If you get caught into this greed and I want something, the Bible says you will have money, but you will be pierced with many sorrows. You will bring sorrow onto your life. How many wealthy people do you know that are totally happy and their family is totally secure? Let me tell you something. Most wealthy people have got messed up families. Why? Because they've had to do it at a price. They're running so after money that they've neglected their family. I'm not saying all the cases, I'm generalizing. But you'll see that most of the world has been driven by this thing, but there's a track record of sorrow. There's a track record of hurt. Their kids are all rebellious. There's all sorts of issues going on. There's divorces. There's all sorts of stuff happening. I stayed in Pretoria. I mixed with a real great number of millionaires. And let me tell you something, there is a lot of hurt in those big estates. There's a lot of pain in those big estates. Everybody goes, I want to be in there. I don't want to be in there if that's what it means. Matthew chapter 13, 22. It says, Now he who receives seed amongst the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. In other words, you sit down and you know the word and suddenly this thing entices you and the Bible says that enticement is a deception. It says this, the the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word of God in your life. The minute that um, the riches have got hold of you or that passion for riches or that drive just to get money and stuff, why do I work so I can get a bigger screen TV? So that I can sit down in my house and get bigger security because now I've got bigger stuff. I don't want you to come steal it. Come on. Now I've got a big screen TV in my, even in my bathroom. So now I've got this big fence with a big bulldog and a big dog. Making sure you don't come and steal my stuff. 
And I can't go visit you now because now I've got to look after all my stuff. Come on, that is how the world goes. I literally had people who had to tell me, I can't leave my house because I've got too much cash in the house. I can't leave, I'm scared somebody's going to break in. Can't go visit somebody now, I've got to look after my money. Guys, we have got to realize that that, not, that is not the Spirit of God. That is not what God wants us to have. I do not want to be controlled by the things of the world or by the world. I need to be the light of the world. I need to be the light. I need to change environments, change attitudes, and change culture. What do I mean by changing culture? Your culture is not the Word of God. Your English culture, Afrikaans culture, your Kosa culture, whatever it is, is not the Word of God. There's lots of stuff in the English culture that is totally ungodly. There's lots of stuff in Afrikaans culture that's totally ungodly. And we need to know, when we take the Word of God, it is the highest authority in Jesus' name. And if I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak what head office says. I do what head office says I must do. And what does head office say? You go there and you change the culture, you do not get affected by it, and you definitely do not get owned by the culture. How does an ambassador get caught or owned by the nation that he's in? As soon as he's done a trade-off and there's a bribe and they've got some dirt on him. There's some blackmail. Then they've got this ambassador. You do this, we expose you. What happens? You play with the world, you get caught to the world, and the devil goes, I got you. You do this, you stand up, I'm going to take you out because now I've got you. How does the world get us? It holds us through debt. It holds us through all sorts of things that the church gets up to. You know, scaly business deals, all sorts of stuff. And then the world goes, if you don't do play this ball, I will tell everybody about it and your reputation will be gone. See, that's how the world gets hold of you. That's why the Bible says, be blameless. And be harmless. Do not become aggressive. Do not take people on. Do not judge them. Why? Because I'm here by the love of God, leads people to repentance. The goodness of God leads people to repentance, not the whip. Thank you folks for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number 082-659-2224 or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many, many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website www.fathersheart.co.za Also Subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.